Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan. This is our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. But of course, before we start, I got to tell you about Football Insider. That's actually, we've got questions uh, for the first half of the podcast. That also includes Terry Pluto in the second half. But Football Insider is, gives you an opportunity to be a part of our tech subscriber service where we do put call outs for questions and things like that, post game Zoom shows with our tech subscribers. And uh, we text out little nuggets and news throughout the day. So, uh, you know, I think it's worth it and our subscribers really love it. And then, of course, you know, there's a daily newsletter that goes out. You get that in your inbox. It's written exclusively by one of our Browns uh, beat team uh, beat team writers. I don't know why I said it like that, but one of our Browns beat writers. Uh, so you get that in your inbox every single day. And then, of course, you get that uh, access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, so all you have to do is go to cleveland.com slash Browns. I'm going to spit this out. Trust me. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Get all the information and get signed up. And now on to our Wednesday podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how are you? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. And also, Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? Doing good. Ready to go. Okay, so um, just so everyone knows, we're going to have a little bit of a different schedule this week, as you'd expect. There won't be a pod going up on Thursday, uh, but we will have our picks pod going up on Friday, so you can keep your eyes peeled for that. And also, the lone edition of Gotta Watch the Tape, I believe I saw, I actually believe I retweeted it, uh, so I guess I should know this is up (laughs) already. Make sure you check that out on, uh, on the Orange and Brown Talk feed uh, as well to get you ready for the Jaguars game. I put a call out for some texter questions, so we're going to get to those. They came through with some really interesting questions for us. But before we get to those, we need to talk about really the big news of the day. Now, the Browns did have a player go on the COVID list. It was Joe Jackson, uh, one of their defensive ends. But the really big news today is Denzel Ward. Uh, we find out that we, you know, Kevin Stefanski told us there was a calf injury. It didn't sound great when he was talking about it. And now we find out today that the Browns are going to be without Denzel Ward for a little while here. Uh, Mary Kay, you kind of laid it out. It's similar to, to what Wyatt Teller went through. And Teller missed, when you include the bye, he missed four weeks. And, you know, this is even a little more concerning, though, because, you know, as much as Wyatt Teller pulls and moves and all of that, he's not doing the stuff Denzel Ward is doing out on the field. So, th- I mean, this is a little concerning. Yeah, you, you know, you don't have to do a full-on sprint uh, when, when you are a guard. Now, as you mentioned, those guys are pretty mobile. But it's one thing, uh, you know, to move, you know, laterally or pull or, you know, do some of the things that those guys do. And on almost every single play, I have to turn the jets on and run down the field. So uh, this is a very significant injury for the Browns. Uh, Again, he could miss up to four weeks if it takes him as long to get back as it did Wyatt Teller. Hopefully for the Browns, not more than that. Um, but if it is the full four, that doesn't bring him back until the final two games of the season. I mean, that's just unbelievable when you think about it. Uh, that would bring him back just for the Giants and then for the Steelers in the final week. Uh, it, it keeps him out potentially for the bulk of this very, very tight playoff race that they are in right now. And he is obviously uh, one of their two best defensive players. So Miles and Denzel will both be out this week. Miles still with COVID, Denzel with the calf strain. They're two Pro Bowl uh, best defensive players 
on, on that side of the ball. And uh, fortunately for them, they're going to play the one and nine Jaguars this weekend. I think they're going to be totally fine without these two guys. Uh, but if you start to, to have Denzel out for those four, four full weeks, uh, it's going to make an impact. Yeah, I would argue that uh, Denzel Ward being out is going to be a bigger deal than Miles Garrett being out, regardless of, of opponent, because you there isn't as much of a drop-off to other edge rushers you can bring in on this team compared to the drop-off you're going to have with cornerback. Because now you got Tavier Thomas on the field, I'm assuming, for a lot of snaps. And I don't know if you put him in the slot, you move Kevin Johnson out, or if you make Tavier Thomas a uh, corner opposite Terrence Mitchell, but it's not a good situation. And teams really took advantage of that over the first four games when Thomas was playing, uh, really targeting him and BJ Goodson. Uh, you got Thomas out of the equation over the last few weeks. So, you know, BJ Goodson's kind of the only, the only guy they had to be careful about, but now when you put both of them on the field, I think that's, that's something teams are going to notice. And yeah, Joe Woods got his work cut out for him to, to kind of overcome that. Yeah. And, and Mary Kay, like you mentioned, I don't know if it's going to be a big issue this week. I mean, we don't even know who's going to play quarterback for the Jaguars. And I don't know if you're really scared of any of those guys to begin with, but it is a little concerning when you're looking at AJ Brown in a couple weeks. Um, and, and you're looking at, you know, I know Baltimore's passing game hasn't been great recently, but you are still looking at like Hollywood Brown and, and you want your athletes on the field when you're going against Lamar Jackson. Um, so, so some of these matchups, and you know what? You want to make life harder, harder on Daniel Jones. You don't, want, you don't want him to have easy throws. You want him to have to throw the ball to Denzel Ward. Uh, so there's little matchups here and there that you're really going to miss him in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my goodness. You know, you take a Denzel Ward off the field, and as you mentioned, A.J. Brown having a really nice season. He's got – oh, I mean, yeah, A.J. Brown. Not <laughs> There's A.J. Green, A.J. Brown. <laughs> a lot of A.J.'s. <laughs> Uh, but he's got 540 some yards receiving already. I think he has maybe seven touchdown catches uh, for the Titans that, you know, that's certainly uh, not a player that you want to go against without your best shutdown cornerback. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, uh, the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, maybe their passing game hasn't been exactly uh, what they want it to be. But look, the last game they played was in a driving pouring rain again. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard to, to kind of get your passing game going, uh, but they can pass the ball. Lamar Jackson has an arm and they, they can pass. You do not want to be uh, without Denzel for that game. You certainly don't want him to be uh, gone for the Steelers game, but he should be back by then. Um, but yeah, this, this is a big blow because you're really getting down into your depth as Scott mentioned. And uh, you know, it, it really is just one more unfortunate situation for a secondary that has just gotten beat up this year, starting all the way back to Grant Delpit, ruptured Achilles, Greedy Williams, their other starting cornerback, out with a shoulder injury, Kevin Johnson, lacerated liver. He's back now, but I mean, it's just been one thing after another for these guys. So uh, yeah, this is a tremendous, tremendous ball. Oh, and then also not to mention, uh, Ronnie Harrison this week also suffered a knee injury. So did Sheldrick Redwine. So they're kind of hurting at the safety position too. Ronnie needs to stay on the field in part because Dan is working on a feature story. <laughs> oh, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be done before the next game. It's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we just cannot have, uh, you know, the, the Dan lobby jinx. It just cannot happen. So we need him on the field. Uh, I think the Jaguars and the Browns defenders, I think the secondary, they're just going to hug each other when they get down there before the game <laughs> and talk about how horrible the season has been because the Jaguars too have dealt with a ton of injuries. It's like they lost most of their secondary last week against the Steelers and there are guys who are on IR and I mean, they're going to have like a, like a, a fourth round pick who's played two snaps before last week out there for them on Sunday. They're going to have a, I think a, a undrafted free agent who was never on the field before last week out there for them. So it's really, they're both kind of in the same boat uh, on Sunday. Yeah. I, I think sometimes it's, sometimes it's easy to be in a bubble kind of watching one team and think, man, this team has so many injuries. So, and you kind of forget the rest of the league, but I do think the Browns this year, when you look at the guys that they have lost, and of course we're including miles in the COVID list. Whew. It's uh, it's tough. <laughs> but like you said, Scott, the Jaguars are dealing with it too. It's just two teams is going very different directions uh, yeah. as well. Okay, let's get to some of these questions. Um, I threw out to our texters that I wanted some different questions because, you know, 
you kind of get the same ones and, and those are fine, but I wanted to get into some different stuff here and, and see kind of what was on their mind about what it's like to cover the team, maybe some, some offbeat topics. Um, so here's one from the 330 area code. We'll just start with this. Uh, of the Browns coaches you've covered, and maybe we'll even go back a little bit, besides Kevin Stefanski, which do you feel was most deserving of one more year? Hmm. Could you make a case? I, I guess maybe there's a case to be made for, is Mike Pettin that guy? I don't know. It was kind of a disaster at the end of his run. I know there were players that really liked him, but I, I guess you could make a case for him. You, you know, one guy that I always think of is, is Rob Chizinski. I just thought that one year for Rob was really not enough. He's, he was a really good offensive coach. Uh, they didn't really like the combo of, of Norv and, and Rob, and it was just, it just got a little weird, but uh, he was somebody that, that I, I think had a lot of potential and uh, really never got a chance here. It's really hard to, to run your program and implement it in only one season. That's a good one. I, you know, and, and this wasn't really, I, I, this wasn't so much the Browns getting ready to somebody, but Butch Davis, if he could have stayed around a little longer, you know, he had things moving in the right direction for a couple of years. Um, and then everything just kind of fell apart. But I always thought that he, out of all the coaches they had gone through up to this point, Butch Davis was probably uh, at the top of the list uh, as far as guys that I think could have done something here. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good one, too. Both, both of those are – I like both of those. All right, from the uh, 818 area code, um, if you could cover one other team in the NFL – so let's say somebody came to you and said, you're not allowed to cover the Browns anymore, you can choose any other team in the NFL, though, who would it be and why? I haven't looked at these either, so I'm kind of winging it. I, I kind of looked – I looked at a couple, but I haven't looked at all of them, so I'm, so, I'm sort of winging it here on a couple of these, too. Um, if you cover one other team in the NFL, who would it be and why? Is this really a where do you want to live in disguise? Maybe. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was the Chiefs. I mean, it was just the first thing because of, of Patrick. Uh, you know, I just can't say enough. None of us can about the quarterback that he is. And just to watch him every single week do the amazing things that he does, including the way he won uh, that game on Sunday. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's just incredible to watch him. He, we are watching one of the best uh, quarterbacks. I think he will prove to be one of the best in the history of the NFL when all is said and done. And I really like his personality. I mean, I just like, I like the person and I like Andy Reed. Uh, I like their coaching staff. I think Andy would be fun to cover. Uh, I don't know that that was just the first one that came to my mind. Hmm. This is tough. So I think I might, the Chiefs is a really good, a really good answer, but I don't want to steal that one. <laughs> I think if we're talking about where you want to live, I would have some candidates. Um, Denver. Uh, I mean, if that's the prerequisite, right? Denver is a city I love. You know, any of the California teams. Um, Seattle. I think actually Seattle would be a fun team to cover. You know, Pete Carroll. Uh, you know, get the, the Seahawks fans, the 12th man, or what do they call they, I guess they can't call themselves the 12th man. What are they, 12s? Um, that, that might be a fun team to cover. I used to live near Seattle. I lived uh, a couple hours north uh, near the, the border of Canada. And that's probably the only place I could convince my wife to move to after <laughs> I got her to move to Ohio. So I'll go with the Seahawks too. I've always been an East Coast guy too. See, I, could, I guess I could go anywhere. Um, but you know, New England, I can do that. I'm flexible. I'll go with I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Denver Broncos. Why not? I've always I've always liked going to Denver. Um, let's see here. We're looking through these here. I thought I found one, but now I lost it. So let's see what we've got here. Um, oh, here's here's one somebody asked. <laughs> this is kind of a funny one. Why do you guys overanalyze the Browns? <laughs> I thought that was funny. That one made me laugh. It was so blunt. Why do you overanalyze the Browns? Well, that's easy. <laughs> you go, Scott. Because we're paid to do that. You know, there were, uh, I, I've gotten emails. Why can't you be happy that the Browns are this record or that record or seven and three? It's because I'm not paid to be happy that the Browns <laughs> are seven and three. I'm paid to to be critical. You know, that's that's the job. It's 
I think fans are more like players and that they're happy with their record and they're happy with their success. But I think as reporters, you got to think more like the coaches and the front office. You're, you're looking at why things didn't work or you're thinking about big picture. So yeah, that's, that's analyzing the heck out of it. So, you know. Yeah. And you know what, here's the, the funny thing about that too, is that for all of the people who don't like it. Like say, for instance, I will write about Baker Mayfield, you know, missing those tight ends in the end zone. Okay. For all of the people that might say, why are you doing that? Why are you writing about something like that, that comes out of a victory? I have a whole other segment of the population that wonders why I'm not harder on Baker Mayfield. Right. (laughs) So you cannot please everyone. That's for sure. And things are, things are different now. Uh, in terms of, of covering a football team, because there's so like the team has its own media. And then, you know, there, there are people that cover, uh, you know, maybe like for, I don't know, certain outlets that are more fan driven than sort of journalistic type of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's hard to kind of know how this role is supposed to go these days, but we're all old school right here. I mean, we're like old school journalists and we cover the team from an objective standpoint so therefore you know we are going to take a hard critical look at hey is baker mayfield the quarterback of the future they've got decisions to make in the offseason he does some good things he does some challenging things let's look at all sides of it you know for the for the people that don't want that kind of coverage uh you can find another way to go about it you can find other listen to the radio or watch local tv right that's basically it you know from us you're gonna get and you know what and i'll tell you there's plenty you know when when people want uh somebody to come down hard when things aren't going well you know there's got to be people that are willing to do that in those times as well so you know we we provide a a service that i mean i hope that as we move along over the next how many ever years that it continues that we continue to have beat writers that do the job the way that we do it because it's so very necessary. I, I think too, I mean, just on a simpler level, it's the nature of football. This isn't baseball where you have a new game the next day or basketball where you're playing three games in four days or anything like that. I mean, the nature of football is you play on Sunday, you got a week to talk about the games and then you play again on Sunday. So the nature of the sport kind of lends itself to like, we got seven days, six days to fill between games. So you know, we're going to talk about the team. We're going to overanalyze. We're going to do what we do. And that's just the nature of the business. And something else, this is one that I did see earlier. And, and it got me thinking something you said to me uh, like a while ago, Mary Kay. And at first I thought, I guess, but then it, it really has struck me that you were right about this. The Browns get covered like a big market team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Cavs only get covered when they're good. The Indians only get covered when they're good. Uh, but the Browns, I'm just thinking on like a Friday, which is the most useless day in the NFL. I mean, players leave early, coaches leave early. Uh, most, most folks don't come out to Berea on that day. We would still in a normal year when we're actually out there on a Friday have at least six to seven reporters plus a couple cameras. And, you know, and that's on a Friday where in some other markets, some beat writers travel early. They leave on Friday and travel early. And like, it's just, it's very different here in Cleveland when it comes to the Browns. On our Zoom calls, there's probably 30 people on, on the media Zoom calls, you know, on a, on a given day. So th- this team really does get covered like, like a big market team in a lot of ways. All right, non-football question here from Zach. Uh, we're not allowed to say die hard to this. Favorite Christmas movie? Oh, there's only one for me. And I could watch it every year and I will never get tired of it. It's a wonderful life. I absolutely love it. It's such a great feel-good movie. I, I can't wait to see it again this year. Go ahead, Dan. That, that, one's <laughs> on, that one is on my list. That, that's one that I do watch every year, but I laugh every year when there's the, the scene at the end when he asks, like all this terrible stuff has happened and he's seen all this terrible stuff that's happened if he's never been born. And then he asks where Mary is and like the most catastrophic line of the whole movie is she's just about to shut down the library. Like that's the worst thing that could happen to someone. But yeah, that's, uh, that, that's definitely on my list. Let's see. I'm just trying to think of the ones we watch like every year. 
I mean, Elf has become a big one in our house. That's one we watch every year. And I don't know if that's my favorite one, but that's definitely one we watch. That's like on the list. Yeah, I like Elf. I, I think that's that's become a really good one. Um, what I like to see, though, are all the old, those, I don't think they're not claymation, but whatever they are, like the old Rudolph. Oh, yeah. And like, there's usually a channel that just runs all those and they made a million of them. Although after you watch the Rudolph one enough, you realize like how horrible of a, of a show that was. I mean, they were like, that would never get made today. Like Santa was horrible. And just the way they treated Rudolph. I mean, okay, we understand he has to be shunned, but it was like, it was bad. And like, you know, open murder in front of, you know, <laughs> Rudolph, it was just, it's not good. But, but I still, I like, you know, the heat miser and the cold miser. I thought those were good. Those are yeah. fun to watch. You know what the animate the animated Grinch. Yeah, yep. And and then you guys, I I don't know if if you guys have ever watched the old time ones, but like the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, has anybody seen that? I mean, it's just so good. Those old movies are phenomenal. Um, so that that's one of my absolute other favorites. And I, I used to watch those old old time movies with my mom when I was little and. Um, so if you haven't seen that one, it's a good one. We, I mean, we haven't mentioned uh, Christmas Vacation. That's, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one, too. That's in the, that's the regular too. rotation as well. Uh, oh, Christmas Story. Oh, yeah. I am so sick of that movie. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. That's I'm actually done. a very divisive right. one in Cleveland. It's just because it was shot here and it is sort of, it is sort of like overkill here. But, that, you know. My wife, who grew up on the West Coast, had no idea about A Christmas Story. She... Like she came here, she had never seen it. She didn't know it was such a big deal around here or that it was on TV like this. It was something totally new. Okay, and Rory you know, has a good one. Were you gonna say something there, Mary Kay? Yeah, I'm sorry. I've never seen it from start to finish. It, like no. I, I see bits and pieces of it. I've never seen the whole thing. So you're starting at like three quarters of the way in during the marathon and then you're yeah. watching like the first half. And yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense. Um, Rory has a good one here. Uh, this one is Thanksgiving themed. Who would you rather? It's not about favorite Thanksgiving food, so don't worry, we're not going to go there. Who would you <laughs> rather have Thanksgiving dinner with, Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski, and why? I think Kevin Stefanski's probably like sneaky, a good cook. <laughs> uh, hmm. I cannot answer that one. That's a tough one. There's there's merits to both. Absolutely. 100%. My my answer is Freddie Kitchens, because <laughs> that would be a feast. Oh yeah, it would be something. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Rory, uh, Rory stumped us, but I do think that like Stefanski is probably like really sneaky, like a really good cook or or something. Think he can cook? Yeah, I don't know why. There's there's just something about it. Uh, let's see, what do we have? here? Here. Oh, and th th okay, this one's a little, this could go, we're probably not going to answer this one completely, honestly. <laughs> what do you like most and least about covering the Browns? I'll just say most. I mean, at its, at its root, I think I get to go to all the games, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's kind of fun. Uh, I, get, I get paid to watch football games. Yeah, that's. I don't know that's about on. least. Scott, you want to go most? Um, gosh, most, I think, um, writing about something that a ton of people really want to read about, that's, that's fun, knowing that this is like the most popular beat on our website, <laughs> hands down, yeah. and that you're able to contribute to that, that's fun. Um, and of course, going to the games too, but least, wow, um, least I would say right now during the pandemic is just the worst part because of availability. And I think Mary Kay's mentioned this before, how the Browns are kind of able to uh, kind of control the story a little bit. And we're not able to maybe talk to people you'd normally talk to and, and talk about the things we'd normally talk about. Um, yeah. Covering, covering the Browns during a pandemic. That's the worst part. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's I, I would say I would say my least favorite is sort of the you do a lot of waiting around. And, and look, this is, you know, there are obviously a lot worse things, but um, 
during normal times, you kind of just do a lot of waiting around. You're always operating on somebody else's schedule. So that, that can be a little frustrating at times. I, I guess that would probably be my, my least favorite. I'm sure I could come up with something better that I would probably never say on the podcast, but I'll go with that one for my least. <laughs> my favorite thing about covering the Browns is usually in, in a non-COVID year is really getting to know the players, getting to know who they are as, pe- as people, uh, talking to them you know, in the locker room and, and trying to get to know them a little bit seeing what their personalities are all about, and then getting to the point where uh, you can actually sit down and, and write a, you know, a good feature story on somebody. Uh, th- that's my favorite thing. And I really miss that this year. I really, really miss the opportunity uh, to just do the best part of our job, which is, uh, in my opinion, like I said, to, to really get to know uh, the players and help uh, tell their stories to the fans. So. Uh, that, that's been such a drawback this year. I hope we get that back one of these days soon. And then my least favorite part. Now, I love to, you guys know, I love to do the news part. I don't mind it at all. Um, but it is like, there really never is that opportunity to shut it off. You know what I mean? Like, so that's one thing. And I, again, I'm built for that. So I don't really mind it um, for the most part, but you know, every once in a while, you know, like I'm, I go out, you know, to, to get a workout in or go to dinner or, you know, whatever, just go. I don't go to the grocery store. My husband does that, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but you know, just anything like you just can never, ever like not look at your phone. Even when we're taping this podcast, there's this part of me that's like, Oh my God, what am I missing? And I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see my phone. Um, <laughs> but you know, I think that's it again. And I'm not complaining because we all know this, that we ha- we are very fortunate to have these jobs. So we're for sure we're not complaining, but if there was one little thing, it would be like occasionally every once in a while, I'd like to be able to not feel like I'm in a state of high alert. <laughs> there, there were actually a couple of coverage questions. And I think this one is, I, you know, this is sort of is what it is, but I think this is one I missed too. They, they say in today's Zoom interview environment, and the lack of locker room access is there sort of this unwritten rule to not use a quote or, or something from a reporter's question who's working on something exclusive or unique. And I think the answer to that is, I mean, not really. If, if an answer is public and going on transcripts, then it's just kind of out there. And I think that's something I miss is being able to go into the locker room with an idea and go and talk to like five guys or 10 guys and I'm getting something that no one else has. Um, right. Kind of creating that story on the, on the fly a little bit. Um, you don't get that. You're putting it out there for sort of everyone to hear. Now, I do think there is, you know, I think we're respectful of each other. But like, like I said earlier, this is a, a beat that's covered, you know, nationally. This is a beat that's really big. So there's a lot of people that are going to grab quotes and, and write about them, even if it's something you're kind of working on exclusively. So uh, that, that's kind of the answer to that question. Um, let's see what else we have here. The others, The other question was just about, um, I'm always, it's always funny how people have these like nuts and bolts questions about covering the team. How often do we kind of have the same ideas? A lot. Kind of run into that. And I think, yeah, we do, <laughs> we do run into that a lot. Uh, I know I've sat in meetings where we've gone through ideas and Scott has thrown out an idea and I'm like, oh, I was kind of thinking about that too. I found that. We tend to avoid most of that. I was going to say, I found that. I tend to have a lot of ideas that overlap with you and with Doug LaMaurice, our columnist, um, because of the, just the, the way we go about covering this team and the things we write about. Whereas Mary Kay, like she says, really focused on the news. Um, you got other people who are thinking more big picture, you know, a lot of the time and, and trying to be creative in different ways of, of, of writing about things or something that happens in the game. You want to approach it a certain way, you know, um, that happens, that happens quite a bit, I think. But you know what but, I think? But it always gets done, which is the important part. You know, I, I think for the most part, though, uh, even though we have so many people covering uh, the Browns, and I, I think we do a pretty good job of uh, we each have our own sort of niche, and we each have defined our roles pretty well, and um, and I think we do a, a good job of not not staying in our lane or whatever. But I mean, we don't have to have a lot of conversation each day about what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I think we kind of each sort of know, uh, you know, 
what the role is. And, and I think it makes a nice package for, for our readers, for our listeners, uh, for anybody listening to the pod. We, we kind of uh, give them a little bit of everything, really. Well, I'll tell our podcasters a little secret that is not a secret with you guys, I'm sure. I am very bad at planning ahead. <laughs> <laughs> very bad at planning ahead and a lot of times I kind of come up with ideas on the fly and it usually doesn't cause problems but every now and again uh, I'll realize oh somebody else was going to write that so I need to get a little better at planning ahead uh, another coverage question though if the NFL went away what league would you want to cover is there another sport that, that stands out to you as one you'd want to cover Scott's not in his head if I had to cover a sport it would be soccer if I had to cover uh anything uh i would probably write about music but yeah if it had to be a sport i'd probably write about soccer unfortunately there's no soccer team close enough here to really cover so or you know that people care enough about to cover (laughs) hmm gosh there really is no other sport that i would want to cover you know i've just been doing this for too long. And I do, you know, sometimes I think, my goodness, what would become of me? I've been doing this for <laughs> like 30 years. Paul Hoynes and I have talked about that before. We're like, we don't know who we are without this, you know? I mean, you know how they always say like, Miles will say football doesn't define me. Well, you know what? The Browns beat defines me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, but what if, what if the Cleveland force had never folded? Would <laughs> there you go. be doing that? I would still be doing that. But I mean, I, I don't know what else. I, I don't know what else I, I would do. If, if I had to do something else with my life, I would go back to the thing that I almost did before I got the Browns beat. And that would be, uh, you know, just script writing and comedy writing and, and that sort of thing. So I would probably jump, try to jump back over into the en- entertainment world, which was a possible option for me before I got this phone call one day saying, hey, you're on the Browns beat right now. Here I am. <laughs> A hundred years later, a hundred years war. <laughs> I think, so I've always loved basketball, but I, I just kind of hate the way the NBA is covered. It's so much more about the off the court, like transactional stuff now. And, and it's so much less about what happens on the court. I know that's kind of all sports now, but the NBA has just taken that. It's like the soap opera. So I, so I don't know if I could, how I would handle that beat day to day. I did get to do, a lot with the Indians for like a year or two there. And, and that was kind of, you know, in the summer sitting at a ballpark with the windows in the press box open. And, you know, it's really kind of loose around a baseball. So like yes. everything is just loose and, and guys are, you know, usually in a pretty good mood, talkative. Um, so I think from that perspective, you know, as much as I, I love basketball and, and would cover it, I think baseball might be the, uh, Baseball is the way to go for me, even though nobody reads about baseball anymore. Sorry, Paul Hoynes. Everybody reads Hoynesy. <laughs> Unfortunately, the rest of baseball, um, I don't know. Uh, here's a football question, and we will wrap it up here with, with one or two more questions. A football questions. Question from the 802 area code. With knowledge of the Browns' need, their valuation of the worth of position, uh, position A versus position B, rank the odds of what position they draft in the first round next year. Or just to put it more simply, what position right now, without really – I mean, I'll admit, I don't know all the top prospects out there. We don't even know where the Browns are going to be drafting. What position would you think they would target in next year's draft? In the first round with their first round pick? In the first round, yes, in the first round. Oh, gosh. This is a trick question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a trick question because what if, what if, now I don't think this is going to happen. Let me just qualify this. I don't think this is going to happen. I think Baker Mayfield is going to get. You are, you're throwing a wrench into this one. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to pick a fight again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, I think they will pick up the, the fifth year option on Baker. I think he's shown enough to get another, uh, you know, another look for at least another year, maybe another two years and see if he can, uh, turn into what they want him to be. So I guess I'll rule out, I guess I'll rule out quarterback there, but you just never know. Um, so I, I'm going to, I guess I would have to go over to, I guess I'd have to go over to the other side of the ball and think possibly defensive end, pass rusher. If there's a pass rusher around. 
Yeah, I think it depends on what the status is with Greedy Williams. Cornerback could be one. Uh, cornerbacks tend to go really high sometimes. Uh, I, I got to think they're going to want a pair of veteran with Grant Delpit next year at safety. Um, I don't know if you take a linebacker in the first round. Ideally, they're drafting later in the first round, so maybe that's where you take a linebacker. But I would say probably some sort of defensive back first, depending on who's healthy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to – you know, it's funny because last year felt so obvious so early. Like, they, they got to get a tackle. And I don't remember if we were talking about that in season or not, but I mean, it, at least early in the off season, it felt like, yeah, they're, they got to take a tackle in the first round. It just almost felt like an obligation. And this year they could go a lot of different ways. Would we rule out receiver? If there's a really good receiver and if they decide to move on from one of their, their high paid receivers, especially if it's Odell and we're kind of seeing that they don't have that downfield threat right now. Could they go receiver in the first round, especially if they're picking, you know, we're not talking about the number five overall pick here. This is going to be a later first round pick. Yeah, I could see that, Dan. I, I could see that because like you said, some of it will depend on uh, who's coming back and, and who's not. They've got a lot of money, a lot of money tied up in those two starting receivers. And I know the plan was to go forward with them and have them, you know, be the guys that help get them, you know, to the next level, but you never know. Economics are, are changing very quickly, as we've talked about on this pod, and uh, and we'll have to see how they want to spend their money. Hey, Green Bay drafted a quarterback 26th this year. Just saying. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That is very true. Hey, the last thing, have either of you watched Friday Night Lights TV show? No. Read the book. No. Did not watch well, the Never TV mind. Night. I will answer this question on my own. <laughs> Someone trying to make the case that Matt Saracen is the best quarter for quarterback from that show. Love me some Maddie Saracen, but guys, it's Vince. Vince is the best quarterback. Michael B. Jordan, best quarterback in the show. When you guys watch that, you'll agree with me. Trust me. All right. Uh, we're going to hand things off now to Terry Pluto for the second half of the pod. Mary Kay and Scott, it was fun. Thanks, texters. Thanks, guys. And now we welcome on Terry Pluto. Terry, how are you? Well, probably better than Denzel Ward. Yeah, so that's obviously, I mean, we're recording this, you know, right after that news comes out. Um, Denzel played probably his best game of the season, and he's having a great year, so that's saying something. Mm -hmm. Played probably his best game of the season on Sunday. Uh, reports a calf injury on Monday, we find out. And then today on Tuesday when we're recording this, we find out that he's going to miss some time. And this means that the Browns are going to go to Jacksonville without their two best defensive players. And really their third best defensive player, more, more than likely Ronnie Harrison, he's day to day. He'll probably be able to go, but like they're, they're beat up. What's wrong with him? Uh, he had a knee injury. He, um, oh boy. he got hurt. Well, he got hurt in Sunday's game and then he left and came back that. for a couple plays, but then he, he just couldn't stay on the field. That's actually again, he, he didn't seem to have injury problems before I'm talking about Harrison, but since he's been here, he's had trouble staying healthy. Yeah, well, he had a concussion in the pick six yeah. game. And then this this was a knee contusion. So, um, and like I said, he did come in and give it a go. He, he just, yeah. you could see him limping around. It's a bad bruise, I guess. But, you know, Denzel, this is the only downside on Denzel is staying healthy. Because I remember last year he missed, I believe it was for the first four games, he and Greedy both with uh, hamstring pulls. Yeah, it and might have been, the middle. he did miss four games. It might have been like right in the middle. Yeah, or like um, or like early middle. Yeah, whatever it was. But the, you're you're the you're the man that's good on the computer. You could check that while we're talking. I can't. Year before though, remember he had two concussions, and so uh, it's a shame because this guy, you know, Nordonio, Ohio State. Uh, he doesn't seem to say anything. He's just a quiet, nice guy. Uh, but and he is terrific. You could put him on these really good uh, receivers. And and he, I'm, and he plays well, but he's got to be on the field. And I don't care whether you play Jacksonville or not. You go down now, you don't have your top pass rusher. You don't have your top cornerback. Uh, that's a huge concern. Yeah, so he missed games. Uh, he played the first two games last year, and then he, he uh, missed games three through seven or three through six and so came back four. against New England after the bye. Okay. Um, but, but, yeah, I, I mean, this is a guy who – is, is really in line 
to make a lot of money this off season mm-hmm. deserves it. it. It just has been. And that's good, but if, you know, that'll be one of the things they'll talk about is, okay, we had concussions and then hamstring and now calf, um, you know, a big part of ability is durability and, or availability. If you like that one and I'm running out of cliches, the point is you gotta be able to play. And so, uh, that's going to be a you know in terms of his contract, but for right now, so okay, Terrence Mitchell, and then who else is going to play cornerback? Probably Kevin Johnson. Isn't he like a slot cover guy or something? Yeah, that, that's why they brought him in, but he's done both. Okay, who else? Um, MJ Stewart, I believe, is healthy. We that's are. my point. Yeah, now we're digging into the roster. Um, I'm going to double and check to make did. sure because MJ oh, Stewart. Was... They got Carl Joseph back and I got Sandejo, but he likes to play three safeties. Yeah. Well, and look, if, if, if Ronnie Harrison can go on Sunday, he can play nickel. Yeah. Um, so, so they can kind of cobble that together a little bit, but that, that, I mean, that's not ideal. You want to be able to move him around. And then of course, you know, then you have to play Harrison and Sandejo a bunch of snaps. Yeah. MJ Stewart hasn't played a whole lot the last few weeks. Okay. A lot of special teams, but hasn't played many defensive snaps. I mean, I guess if you want to say Olivia Verna is going to go get three sacks again, um, that'll help. Whether that was a kind of a Haley's Comet game, you know, that comes by, or I don't mean he's going to get three sacks all the time, but right. or he's finally feeling better. And I know he had two sacks, I believe, against uh, the Raiders. Um, but look, for the most part, he's been invisible this year and last year. And so it was good to see Claiborne and maybe Claiborne's issue was health. I don't know. It, it could have been because I thought he was okay early in the year. Mm-hmm. I did too. I liked the signing. I thought he played well the first couple of games and he missed a few with a hip injury. And the problem now we go to Vernon. Vernon has had durability problems for at least four years. Because if you go back and look at his last two years in New York, I miss—I believe he missed a total of nine games um, with high ankle sprains or something like that. And then he came here last year, and he had a variety of things. Uh, I think he only played five. I think he missed five games at different things. He, and, he tried to come back, I think, too, and, and, and a knee or something. Yeah, and you just kind of wonder these guys get beat up, so. Um, you know, hopefully they need those two guys playing well. They need that pass rush. Um, and you also need uh, probably Joe Woods says exactly, you know, how many of my guys are I going to have to lose here? Uh, the, hey. the coordinator, because he did a great job, I thought, of exploiting Carts and Wentz's uh, tendency to hold the ball. Uh, the problems that Eagles had on the offensive line, he was able to you know, move guys around and, and, and exploit that too. Uh, I tell you, Joe Woods, then we'll see as it goes along, but Joe Woods, the first last few games has stepped up his game too, as a coordinator. Yeah. The defense has been good. They, they've gotten help. You know, the weather has certainly helped them, but I well, mean, I, I think they were legitimately good against the Eagles and mm-hmm. I thought the Texans game was a little iffy as far as, you know, the point total was low. I thought it was a little iffy how they played. But they've gotten better, and they've taken advantage of some things. The one thing I, w- I would worry about, I guess, with, with Olivier Vernon is it's different when you find out Miles Garrett isn't going to play on Friday, right, if you're, if you're game planning against this team. Right. It's different when you find out he's not going to play on Friday than when you go into the week and you know we're going to game plan for Olivier mm-hmm. Vernon. We're going to make sure Olivier Vernon doesn't get three sacks again. And, and that kind of trickles down then to the other guys as well. So I'm kind of curious to see how that goes too. A guy to watch this week, because uh, he played pretty well on his snaps, and it's a guy they do like is Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle who was the third-round pick. I forgot where he went to school. Uh, uh, Missouri. Missouri. Uh, they do like him. In fact, he had eight – or I'm sorry, in those eight snaps, he had three tackles, including the forced fumble. Early in the year, he did well on some spot duty. They think this guy could be pretty good. And frankly, this guy could be your Larry Okunjobi next year if Okunjobi right. goes free agent, wants a ton of money. Um, so he, I think he's going to see more. I still think they could play Sheldon Richardson some of the defensive end if they want to. Um, because one thing about Richardson, out now, unlike some of the people we talk about, he is durable. He can play multiple positions. 
Um, and, you know, he has a kind of a, a good attitude, I think, that helps the defensive line. So uh, he would be a huge loss. So fortunately, they do have him. And Woods is showing the ability to uh, be uh, versatile, you know, where, who he plays where. So I'm anxious to see that. But I do know, I was talking to somebody, that Woods' long-range plans or whatever – he would like to do the two linebacker, three safety thing, like, you know, 80% of the snaps. Yeah. Or more. I mean, that's, we saw some of it last year, but I, I think that's really where he lives with that, you know, in his mind. Well, and that, I mean, that's really why they drafted Grant Delpit. Yes. See that guy. And then when Delpit went down, that sort of precipitated, okay, we've got to go find somebody to do this. So they the go and they give up a fifth for Ronnie Harrison. Yes. And your, to your point, Dan, because I was told this explicitly once since a little while ago, the Browns believe that in Delpit and Harrison, they have safety slash linebacker type players. And the they're both. Now, the other guy, you know, they love, he didn't play a lot, uh, but they love is Jacob Phillips, the linebacker. Yeah. And they think he could cover some. So uh, we'll see, you know, because he was a guy that, uh, when the Browns took him, a lot of people were surprised. They just didn't think he was, you know, that highly regarded in that. So we're going to find out. So my concern. He had, he had his hair on fire. We had two guys that have hair on fire, <laughs> which is what happened to me a long time ago. It, it just burned <laughs> up. But it was it. Harrison and Phillips <laughs> have their hair on fire, according to Joe Woods. I love, I love coach speak. That's, that's yeah. one of my favorites. <laughs> um, I, I think the bigger concern here is, you know, I don't want to look past Jacksonville, but I mean, let's be honest. Jacksonville doesn't even know who their quarterback's going to be. That, that's still a team you should be able to figure out how to beat, you would hope. Who is our quarterback? What, what are they doing with that? Well, it was Jake Luton. Right. Who he Because Gardner Minshew was hurt. So Jake Luton took over, but he threw a bunch of interceptions on Sunday. Is Gardner Minshew, Minshew might be back. They also have Mike Glennon. Do you remember Mike Glennon? Yes, yeah, somebody wants money Mike from the Bears. to sign Mike Lennon. It wasn't me. I don't think it was you, but it was somebody like Mike I don't Lennon. know. I hope it wasn't me. <laughs> I, yeah. We'll blame, we'll blame somebody else. I, I mean, know. Cody Kessler is probably available. <laughs> I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know where Cody Kessler is nowadays. <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, think, I think he is, but I'm not sure. But, um, but, but you're going to have to go against, after this game, Yes. I mean, A.J. Brown is a really good receiver. You'd love to have Denzel Ward to go oh, against sure. him. Um, you know, even against the Ravens, I mean, they've got some guys where you'd like to have Denzel's athleticism. And you want ability. everybody against the Ravens. I don't care how many problems they're having. I don't care how many guys have COVID or whatever. Uh, they're the Ravens. You're the Browns. Until you knock them off in a meaningful game, they're the Ravens and you're the Browns. That's, that's you know, kind of where big I'm big brother, at. little brother thing. Um, you you've got to take that. I want, you know, the old thing, all hands on deck, but I, I I'm concerned. I'll tell you calf muscles scare me and I'm going to drag up the name from another sport. Chisholm you know, having those and some other players. And as somebody who's had a completely torn rebuild Achilles on one leg and a partially torn Achilles on another, which of course, is in your calf muscle area as a runner, you know all that. Um, that's me. Uh, I do not like hearing calf muscle stuff because it just seems to be slow to come back. Yeah, well, and you know, I, I have a concern too about Miles. Like, I, I don't know that we should just write Miles in pen as being able to come back against Tennessee and play 90% of the snaps. No, you should, probably shouldn't. Because, because the I, problem is um, how much, even if he's isolated and say he could be on the uh, treadmill or whatever, I'm sure they got stuff at home for him. That's not football shape at all. I mean, he's, so he's not, because he's not practicing. So he's not going to practice this week either, right? No, he's, he is out for Sunday. Um, right, so well, I, I don't know if he'll be allowed back in the facility at all. That, that I'm not 100% sure about. So okay. we're looking at, um, you know, at least 10 days of no football activity. Mm -hmm. Taking it and, back. And he's, and he's dealing with, I mean, we've seen some athletes, you know, there, there were some guys in the NBA that got into the bubble 
you know, they had tested positive and then once they cleared mm-hmm. everything and got into the bubble, it's, it seemed like they were just a little off, you know, Cam Newton. Right. Has, I th- has, I'll tell you this, even when struggled you have, a little bit, and I'm not equating it to the flu, but I have had like really a couple of times, really bad cases of the flu. And man, you're washed out for a couple of weeks afterwards. <laughs> and you know, this could be more severe or not. Um, but nonetheless, you're just washed out. So you're, you're correct. And this is a tough uh, thing coming up again. But I guess, it, look, it figures. The whole year has been <laughs> weird with different stuff. It's not going to change. But other teams are having these weird things going on, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you just I mean, look, when you don't know who the quarterback is, is, is that good? That's probably not good. And when oh, you're naming people, that guy who threw the interceptions, who was he again? Fake Luton. I never heard of him. I'm sure. Well, Jacksonville is hoping that Justin Fields will be their quarterback next year. So I don't think they mind. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's, well, Joe Schober. Now I haven't looked lately, you know, Joe Schober's had a rough year for them. Yeah. I can look up his grades here. Um, Yeah. They were really low a couple of weeks ago because I was surprised because I've taken the the Browns to task about not pay. I would have paid him. Um, And uh, a football person said, because a couple of times I saw him, he did not look good. And pro football focus, and I did look it up, was usually loved him. One year rated him 10th, another year rated him 30th. Um, Last year had him down to like 50th. This is out of like, you know, 80 safeties or something. And then this year he was like 70th. They're giving giving him their lowest grade that he's had in his career. Yeah. Uh, Overall, and honestly, his lowest coverage grade. Yeah. That's, That's what the guy told me. He said, he's not covering like he used to. I'm like, that's the only thing you could do sometimes. Yeah. I wonder if he's hurt. He could be. You know, he you played, know. but I wonder, you know. And, and there's just not a lot around him, you know. Yeah. It's not like that's a great defense that just shuts people down. <laughs> but It was a strange move by them paying him all the money and then basically dumping Ronnie Harrison and some others. It was just odd. Yeah. It, it seemed like they just didn't know what they wanted to do. Yeah. And it's working out for him, I guess, if this is what they wanted. What, do, what does Jacksonville do? Did they run it or what? They, they had a, you know, I haven't watched a ton of them lately, but I know they had a guy that was running the ball pretty well for them. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm blanking on his name here. I'm going to pull up their roster. Okay. Um, that's one thing the Browns, you know, uh, by the way, those people who are writing about why doesn't the, uh, why don't the Eagles run the ball more? Boy, is that a legit question? Yeah. You know, Sanders is running all over people and the Browns really didn't stop. Unfortunately, they got the fumble the one time. And uh, to see the way they were play calling in that game, reminding me of some of the old Browns games where we're running the ball pretty well, but I'm going to throw it anyway. James, Ro- James Robinson is, is his name. He's got uh, 762 yards and five touchdowns. How many yards um, per carry? So he's been good. For who? How many yards per carry? Per well, carry? Uh, let me see. Yeah, like five or what? 4.4. Oh, so he's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And they have uh, DJ Chark, who's kind of a speedster okay. uh, at receiver. Defensively, they I mean, they have some guy. I mean, they've got Miles Jack, mm-hmm. who I really like. I um, always like him. I mean, he's missed a little time this year. He's only played eight games. Um, they're going to be without Josh Allen, um, who, you know, is, is one of their better defenders. So, well, this is, I mean, basically, here's, here's, the, here's the game plan. What do you think there? Just go down there, run it down their throw, be on the field forever, and then keep, keep your defense off the field as much as possible, which is usually the game plan anyway. But you're facing a team where it seemed like you'd be very vulnerable to do that. Yeah, I mean, make these next two games. I mean, between this game and the, the Tennessee game, we might have a couple of two-and-a-half-hour games. Fine. If, if the Browns have their way. Isn't it interesting, by the way, how the running game now is coming back into vogue a bit. Yeah. Well, and bigger personnel. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's Kevin. Tennessee, Spain, Tennessee last year, you know, they wrote it Baltimore. Um, but that not just because Lamar could run in Baltimore, but the, you know, they've, they've featured their backs. Um, and when you watch, I think you had a tweet about watching the Rams. Was that you? Yes. How you was Something interesting to night. see how, uh, they protect golf and the running game and the motion and stuff like that. Uh, and they use a lot of tempo. I, I think honestly what's happening is you're seeing teams, you're seeing the possession game become really important. Yeah. Like, like look at the Raiders. 
they really – I think there's a lot of similarities between the Raiders and the Browns this year mm-hmm. and the way Gruden calls plays and the way Stefanski does. And they're both West Coast guys kind of at their heart. Um, they, the Raiders really value possession of the football. And, and but, Kevin Stefanski thinks the same way. He wants to have the football for a long time. It's a new form of the West Coast because I remember when Shermer was here with, with Holmgren. And that West Coast offense does not look like this one. Yeah. They didn't, and right. they they had uh, Whedon throwing the ball way too much in that thing. I mean, they had him under center, and they ran Trent Richardson some on that, but um, it was nothing like what we see with these two, uh, with, with what's going on now, and or what's going on when, when I watched uh, the Rams and a couple of these other teams. Um, maybe there's some principles to it, but I see more of um, – Frankly, it's on the football I grew up with. Let's, let's get a run down your throat, see what you're going to do about it. Well, what, what, I, what I like about watching the Rams, though, is and, – and Sean McVay is one of those guys you kind of keep an eye on, right, to mm-hmm. kind of see what's coming. You know, what, what's he doing that maybe you might sort of see get picked up? He's, mm-hmm. he's always just a little bit ahead. And what he's doing a lot of is tempo, not just mm-hmm. necessarily playing fast, but he'll just vary these tempos in a drive. So they'll hurry up a couple plays – and then I think, I think it was Monday night's game. They had a play near the goal line where they stayed in the huddle till about five seconds on the play clock, rush out of the huddle and snap the ball like right away. Really? The defense, did, the defense didn't have a chance to like see what they were doing. Um, so what did they run out of that? Uh, it was a little pass to, I don't remember if it was a tight end or, it wasn't or whatever. It like a quarterback sneak or something. So it was a real, no, it was just a little pass to a guy that leaked out, scored a touchdown. So I, I think, I think tempo and kind of possession are, are really sort of the two things to, to keep an eye on moving forward. That's By the way, we all love guess. Stefanski, but can I second guess? Absolutely. Well, there were two second guesses in that game that I had. Number one was on the first play of the game. <laughs> Remember, <laughs> they came out with an empty backfield. Oh. And they, they threw to David a, Njoku. Yeah. And I'm like, why? First of all, it's a lousy day. You're known as a running team. If you want to throw it, fine, but I'm going to go play action. I'm not just going to have Baker in an empty backfield in a pouring rain. And I'm certainly not going to say, I really want to. I, the first guy I want to see the ball is David Njoku. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, I, don't, I don't think he saw it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could say that's something they wouldn't be expecting on defense. <laughs> you can play it that way, but there's a good reason not to. Secondly, uh, and this is a little more where we haven't seen this really got stuck in the goal line, you know, first and one. Now granted Baker blew it on that pass to, uh, uh, was Austin Hooper was wide yeah. open, but they kept running Kareem in there. You didn't have your fullback and that I would have thrown another pass, you know, another play action or something. Cause usually those tight ends are open and the Browns have been so good on those, um, those red zone passes and short yardage things. So, the last I've looked, Baker had thrown 13 touchdown passes in the red zone compared to zero interceptions. They've, they've been really good in the red zone. Yeah. and, and that's Especially early in the year, he was really creative in the red they zone. They haven't been as – that got to be kind of predictable. Yeah. It was almost like stubborn, we're going to run it in there. Um, and we all love Kareem, but, you know, he did was running into a cement wall. <laughs> he couldn't even <laughs> jump over that one. That's why I think later in the game when he had, he goes, well, I'm not, I'm just going to fly over people. I'm not going <laughs> to try to run through them. I'll, I'll say this. This was a game that had me nervous. I think I, I think I picked the Eagles in this game. It's just a game that had me nervous, but now, now that we're seeing, you know, they're going to have to play without miles and Denzel yeah. and, and they're banged up. It's a big sigh of relief that they've been able to just win these games. They've spoke. They're supposed to win. I mean, you go you know, back I mean, and look at it. I said they lost it. I mean, we go. You you are what your record is. You know, yeah. the old Bell Parcells line. And I'm I'm glad Stefanski says that. The same thing. We'll see if he says it when they're if they have a, a year. You know, they lose a couple. But you are what your record is. My guess is he will because he's pretty no nonsense. Secondly, I mean, the object. Remember, Herm Edwards screamed, "You got to win the game. It's all <laughs> winning the game. It's not about anything else." And they're finding ways to win the game because most of the time they are not making big plays, big, excuse me, big negative plays at the end of the game to lose the game. That's a big part of it. You know, the old thing of, you know, don't turn the ball over, whether you're in basketball 
or in football. Don't turn it over. You know, in baseball, don't start walking guys when you're pitching in the eighth and ninth inning. And they have stayed out of that stuff. Maybe some of the things don't work, but they're not just giving the other team all these opportunities. And that's how you win close games. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they know who they are. They know what they yeah. want to do when they go well, out there. That is so, you know, we say that, but that's not a given. I mean, we've been around here. Some of this, what, you know, what was going on with some of these? I remember when um, Chizinski was here and uh, North Turner was calling the plays. The Browns were either first or second in pass attempts that year in the league. Their quarterback and Hoyer and I forgot who else was rolling in there that year. Campbell was that a Jason Campbell, Campbell Jason year? Campbell, yeah, yeah. You want to saddle up those three and see if you can be, <laughs> you know, let's let's see if we can set an NFL record for pass attempts. Now, granted, Playing the ball year, around. That was the year they did uh, trade Trent Richardson after two games, and you know they're running all these other runners in there. Nonetheless you just can't keep throwing all those extreme passes. And we've seen where you could pull running backs off the street and they could average 3.8 per carry or something. Is that the Willis McGahee year? Yes, it was. And they just kept giving the ball. The man was older than me. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, Willis, but, you know, he got 18 yards and 11 carries. Well, that was good. <laughs> you know, the other thing too is, I mean, all you have to do is look back to last year, mm-hmm. you know? When, when they just insisted on throwing and throwing and throwing. And, you know, this is probably a topic for another day, but, you know, whatever they're doing with Baker Mayfield right now, it's working. And they're understanding that there might be some limitations there, but they're not using it as like an excuse. They're not going to make him, throw, they're not going to make him throw the ball 40 times. And how about this? Stay with me for a minute. They're teaching Baker how to win games. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, seriously, they're teaching Baker how to win games and there's the other things but that's part of it i mean you look at carson once i know he won games earlier but he is not playing like a quarterback who knows how to win games no and he hasn't been um i got a column coming for tomorrow where i kind of did okay suppose the browns had drafted carson once and um okay if he got beat up as quarterback of the Eagles in 2017 and 18, what do you think would have happened here? <laughs> it probably wouldn't have gone very well. They went through five quarterbacks in 16 and 17 because of injuries and things. They started Kevin Hogan. They started Kevin Hogan. They started RG3 to open that season. We got hurt in the opening game against Carson once in 2016. Then they went to, remember, they went to, uh, Josh McCowan, who then did his flying thing through the air, and he got hurt. And then all of a sudden, Cody Kessler's in there playing. You remember the Terrell Pryor game the in Terrell Miami? Pryor. Yeah, he wasn't I mean, the, he wasn't the starter, but they used him just right because over. you kept getting hurt. They didn't have a line to protect him. Now the problem, one with the you know, the trade there, is that they got nothing for him. You, you, they got fourteen guys, and none of them could play. But in terms of like what would have happened had Wentz come here, he got between the ACL and the, the broken vertebrae and all that. Remember, that's in 17 and 18. It would have been the same thing here. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's just, he's a shell. He's you a know, shell. I, I, I mean, I think he's a guy that needs get to go. Couch at the end. I'm serious. That's what I read, right? Because Couch was so beat up. And then you just kind of lose your confidence in things and the team's going down. Um, I was shocked seeing it in person with him. I was too. And I've watched some Eagles games, Yeah, but even I was like, and I knew he wasn't playing well, but even I was just, I mean, I was floored by how poorly he played on Sunday in particular. And I also thought the coaching staff didn't help him a lot where they could have run it even more in that, but my goodness. So uh, it's an interesting column be coming up tomorrow for there. And, and uh, you know, that was part of the problem uh, was that uh, this guy, they, you know, they weren't ready to go with him uh, here or any quarterback. Now, you know, would maybe Deshaun Watson would have done better. because I was, was going to say, can you, can you throw my guy Deshaun Watson's name in there? Yes. But Carson, no. I think this shows you that passing on Wentz, was probably the right thing. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, my my thought has always been that it was sort of the aftermath of it. Yes. Really yeah, perfect. you go back, you did nothing with it. I mean, had they'd taken a, a receiver instead of Corey Coleman or somebody who had become, a, a, you know, a Pro Bowl receiver, you go, well, at least they got that out of it. Yeah. Well, here we are. But they are seven and three, and they're winning games with Baker. And like you said, they're kind of teaching Baker what he needs to do to win and the kind of quarterback he needs to be to win. I think that's a big, it's a big skill. A lot of quarterbacks don't have it. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that'll do it. I think we've run out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> so uh, off to Jacksonville uh, we go. Terry, uh, it's been great. Make sure you sign up for Football Insight. Everybody out there listening and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Terry, thanks for the time. You're welcome, Dan.